You're listening to the Money Owners Podcast with Morgan Rochard. Money Owners is a podcast for people who want to be mentally and financially crushing it. This podcast does not provide investment advice and nothing in this podcast should be misconstrued to be investment advice. If you'd like more information on the podcast, the homework, coaching, and everything else Money Owners has to offer, visit www.moneyowners.com. What is happening, my fellow money owners? This is episode 50. I can't believe it. We made it to 50. <laughs> and I know it's like not really a crowning achievement considering how many pods are out there to have like thousands of episodes. But for me, this is kind of a big deal. Um, it means that money owners is, is getting old. <laughs> so yeah, money owners will actually be um, three in September of this year. So that's kind of exciting. Um, and I was originally supposed to get these out every two weeks. Um, and obviously that didn't happen. Otherwise, we wouldn't be two and a half years into money owners um, with only 50 episodes, (laughs) but I am doing my best. And I did want to give you guys a heads up. Um, I really appreciate all the listeners out there. And um, I am due with a baby like any minute. (laughs) I am super pregnant and um, I'm going to be taking some time off from the podcast um, because I can't put these out while I'm taking care of a really young little newborn. Um, and I'd like to just spend some time with my family. So please forgive me. Hopefully you still want to listen to this podcast when it comes back sometime in April. Um, and also normally we do Q and a for every five to 10 episodes. So considering that this episode ends in a zero, it should be a Q and a today, but I, um, I didn't make it a Q and a, I didn't reach out um, and ask anybody for any questions. Um, I really plan to do more of a basic topic today and kind of leave you on, um, I guess leave you on a high note with like the things that are really, really important that you should be working on uh, in lieu of the fact that you're not going to have me talking in your earphones for the next two months. <laughs> so with that in mind, I'm gonna, we're going to talk about the basis of wealth today. And um, this is something that I talk about a lot in my book. Um, I think it's also something that we've kind of talked about quite a bit on this podcast, but I'm going to reiterate here today and really kind of boil it down to the basics so that those are the things that you can focus on. And, um, and I encourage you to buy my book too. Um, if you like it, please leave a review. I would greatly appreciate it and I, I read all of them. Um, and yeah, so here we go. So wealth has three levers. And there's your income, which is one. You have spending, which is two. And then you have savings and investment. And that's what wealth is, right? It's just the combination of income, spending, savings, and investment. Um, And when you do all of those things right, you create wealth. And it really is that simple. I feel like sometimes people talk to me and they're like, you know, they've got all these investment schemes or uh, get rich quick ideas or ways to kind of get themselves out of whatever issue it is that they're having. But at the end of the day, it really just all boils down to income, spending, and then savings and investments. So um, if you're in a position, obviously, with some debt and maybe you don't have an emergency savings fund, the investment part isn't really going to play in. But that doesn't mean that you shouldn't use your income and your spending to create the savings lever so that eventually you will have money available to you for investment. Um, And you have to be willing to work on all three pretty much not all the time, um, but I would say like at any given point in your life, you're going to be working on one of them. (laughs) So for instance, um, if you're in a job where you're not making very much money, 
um, maybe you want to focus on increasing your income because that actually would solve a lot of your problems. And that's something that we talk about in episode 13. I encourage you to go back and listen. And what I'm sure we'll talk about when I come back in April, there'll be future episodes on income and things that you can do to increase your income. But a lot of the time, I mean, people talk about this and they're like, well, more money, more problems, right? But sometimes more money really does actually solve problems. Um, they've done studies on it, which they probably need to update whereby if you had $75,000 in income, I think, or something like that, where um, any additional dollar did not produce any real extra happiness for people. I think that those studies didn't take into account inflation <laughs> for sure. Um, and I don't know how old the study is off the top of my head, but I imagine now in the current environment that we live in that that's probably actually over a hundred thousand dollars given what things cost at this point so um sometimes yeah increasing income really just does solve the problem sometimes it's not that though right sometimes you are making enough money and maybe the issue is actually your spending and you feel like you should by all measures of the imagination be very wealthy considering your income but yet every single dollar seems to go out the door um, if that's you then focus on spending right um, and that doesn't mean that you need to have a super strict type budget or anything like that. It just means that you need to focus on how you can save, what you can cut, um, and how, like, what will give you the most bang for your buck. So um, we talk about a lot on this podcast, and I'll reiterate it again, but I mean, the, the thing that generally causes most bang for your buck are large fixed expenses. So that's why we focus on things like housing and like on your cars and things like that, because those are going to move the needle, right? Like you not having a latte every day. <laughs> yeah, it'll save you some money, but it's not going to create huge amounts of wealth. And it might even detract from your happiness if you actually really enjoy that latte every day, right? Versus if you spent less money on your house, you wouldn't have to worry about that latte so much. You wouldn't have to worry about like the little things that you buy on Amazon. So there are trade-offs for sure with your spending, right? If you're willing to spend less on large fixed expenses, then you don't have to watch all the little things as much. If you're not willing to do that, you live in a high cost of living area, for whatever reason you feel like you can't cut something, then you gotta watch all that other stuff. Um, at the end of the day though, what you should be focused on the most is making sure that you're saving 20% of your income. So that's really the spending lever I would say, and that's what's gonna create savings. And once you have savings, then you're able to do all sorts of things and it provides you with great flexibility um, it allows you to invest, which then creates more income for you in the future. Um, it creates even more optionality for you when you do have investments available to you. Um, and it should overall give you some you know, peace of mind and be a little bit less stressful, right? If you're not paycheck to paycheck, knowing that you have money in the bank if something were to come up is always going to be a, a positive thing, right? <laughs> Rather than a detractor to your life and you know how you're viewing things. So yeah, I mean, that that's kind of the basics of it right so what creates wealth right you're making money and then you're delaying some sort of gratification um but not all gratification right so <laughs> otherwise like we wouldn't really survive as a human race if we if we really did you know delay all gratification right we wouldn't eat anything we wouldn't drink anything we wouldn't have any shelter we'd die um and yet we have not done that right because there's something to the fact that we want to have um, our immediate needs met. Um, so that's a real thing. And it's something that we actually need to balance, I think, in this day and age when there is such a, an abundance of options out there for you to buy and consume and have, right? Um, when we're kind of used to being a, a creature, really, who is um, who has immediate needs that we need to satisfy, 
then it's sometimes hard to tell the difference between what's a need and what's a want, right? Um, and therefore, you know, you might be overspending or overindulging, right? <laughs> so there, you need the ability to delay some gratification, but not all gratification. That way, some of your short-term needs are met as well while you're trying to build wealth. And then the third thing is that you create savings. By making money and delaying some gratification, you create savings, i.e. you're able to use the savings to make investments, thereby increasing income and the process starts all over again. You make more money, you delay some gratification, you create more savings. Rinse and repeat. That's how you create wealth. And I I want to reiterate this because I feel like I often hear um, about, you know, investment ideas or these, you know, things that sort of pop up in your mind of like, oh, well, if I had this scheme, then I would be able to kind of outpace the make money, delay some gratification and create savings. And the truth is, is that you're focusing on the wrong thing. You just are. Um, if you're the kind of person that thinks that, you know, that's how you're going to make it in this world, then I highly suggest that you kind of look inwards and ask yourself why it is that you're not willing to focus on really the three things that matter the most, which is income savings and spending. And like, stop worrying about all the other little things that are, they're not a big, you know, that they're not going to really create value for you. Like people tend to get hyper-focused on taxes. Um, make more money, right? <laughs> At the end of the day, making more money, even if you're paying more taxes, is actually going to solve the problem um, more than focusing on your taxes. Um, same thing with like these investment, like get rich quick schemes or I've been hearing about Oh, I can park my cash over at some of these companies that are lending to people who want to, you know, borrow in Bitcoin or Ethereum um, and the rates are really high and it's like, okay, that's great. But like, it's not really a savings account. There is risk there. Um, and just because they're marketing it to you as a savings account um, doesn't necessarily mean that it's the right thing for you to do. Instead, focus on the three things that matter, which is income, spending, and then savings and investment. And maybe that could be part of your investment plan, but it's not the thing that's going to make you wealthy, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's not the thing that you should be focusing on. Um, so I wanted to reiterate that because I feel like it's really important, especially in this day and age when we can get so distracted and there's so much information out there and there's so much content out there and you can really get information from the wrong people all the time. Um, and do yourself a favor and just tune that stuff out. You're going to be so much better off if you tune that stuff out. Um, so yeah, I've also, um, I've been reading... Money, Bank Credit, and Economic Cycles by Jesus Huerta de Soto. Um, and we'll link to the book in the show notes. It's an awesome book. Um, <laughs> I highly recommend it. And um, I wanted to actually hone in on one of his chapters, which is called Bank Credit Expansion and Its Effects on the Economic System. And it actually applies pretty well, this specific section in the book, to, um, to building wealth, really. And I'll give you an example. So in the book, he is talking about Robinson Crusoe. And Robinson Crusoe gets stranded on an island, and he doesn't have anything with him. He's basically in, you know, his loincloth, and he's hanging out on an island. And he notices that there are berries to eat. So he goes and he starts picking berries. And he spends basically all of his day because, you know, berries aren't, they're not that filling. They're not highly calorically dense. Um, he spends the majority of his day either sleeping or collecting berries and then eating them. And he realizes while he's doing this that maybe there's a better way. <laughs> so what he decides to do is um, he starts collecting berries, but he doesn't eat all of them in that day that he collects them. He starts to save them and he creates a berry surplus, right? So now he is sort of hungry 
and he's probably feeling, you know, like a little bit on edge because he's not eating as much as he normally does. And he does this for, um, for several days until he has enough berries where he feels like he can go and do other things because he has savings. So what he decides to do is he decides to create a stick that will help him, you know, collect berries much more quickly than he was doing them by hand. So he, um, he then eats the berries that he's saved and he spends his time whittling the stick and he does this for several days basically until he has the stick made and he's run out of berries and then he can go and use that stick, right? He created a tool for himself to then go and get more berries. And the thing that I found to be why I like this example a lot is then he was able to collect more berries, thereby creating more savings for himself in a shorter period of time and then he was able to craft new tools so he can go hunting and maybe get, you know, some animal um, meat into him instead of only eating berries um, and maybe some new clothing from the skins and, and on and on and on, right? Spend more time creating his shelter and doing the things that are really quite important to him, right? <laughs> to be able to move up on Maslow's hierarchy of needs. So you can really apply this example to your own life. I mean, I, I know it's kind of like an extreme example and it's also like a fictional character, right? But I mean, there are examples of this for sure in real life. I mean, I can think off the top of my head, like you were in college, you had a laptop and maybe after you got out of college, it wasn't something you wanted to spend money on um, because it's expensive and you're living paycheck to paycheck. But you know, deep inside your heart of hearts that if you had a faster computer, you would probably be more efficient because you would spend less time maybe checking Facebook or Twitter or whatever social media app is really appealing to you when your computer gets slow, <laughs> right? Like that's sort of more of a modern day example of this kind of a thing. Um, and therefore, if you were able to create some savings and thereby be able to buy a new laptop, you would be more efficient depending on what it is that you're using that laptop for. Um, and obviously you can come up, I'm sure, with other examples in your life of why you would want to create savings and thereby make an investment in something that would help produce something for you later on. I mean, the simplest example really is what we talk about in personal finance all the time, right? You delay some sort of gratification, um, maybe feel a little bit hungry inside in some way or another, even if it's not specifically hunger, um, but you're missing out on something by creating savings. And then you're able to invest it in, let's say the stock market or I don't know, real estate or Bitcoin or whatever it is that you're interested in. And then you create more wealth later on, which then provides you more safety, security, and sanity. Um, so, all of these things, I, I'm saying all of this just so that you sort of are internalizing what this, these are kind of basic human principles, things that have applied to us for many, many, many years, right? Robinson Crusoe is quite an old story. It's not like, um, you know, I had to pull out a modern example for you to see that this is, these are principles that have, you know, have sort of endured the test of time. Um, and I'm going to read to you a little bit from the book. So this is page 279 um, in um, in DeSoto's book. And basically what he says is, therefore it is clear that just as the difference between the rich Robinson Crusoe with the stick and the poor Robinson Crusoe without it lay in the capital good the former had obtained through prior saving, the essential difference between rich societies and poor societies does not stem from any greater effort the former devote to work, nor even from any greater technological knowledge the former hold. Instead, it arises mainly from the fact that rich nations possess a more extensive network of capital goods wisely invested from an entrepreneurial standpoint. These goods consist of machines, tools,
tools, computers, buildings, semi-manufactured goods, software, etc., and they exist due to prior savings of the nation's citizens. In other words, comparatively rich societies possess more wealth because they have more time accumulated in the form of capital goods, which places them closer in time to the achievement of much more valuable goals. There is no doubt that an American worker earns a much higher wage than an Indian worker, but this is chiefly because the former has at his disposal and uses many more capital goods than the Indian worker, and the goods he uses are of much higher quality. So I read that passage to you because I think it applies really well to personal finance. Um, it's basically, it's not a function of how hard you work, right? You can go out there and you can work really, really, really hard. <laughs> and I encourage you to do that, right? Because hard work, like it does produce other things within us that are good for our mind, our body, our soul, everything else, right? But it's not about working hard. Um, and I and I know it's something that's very cliche that people talk about quite a bit of like, you know, don't work hard, work smart. Um, but there's something to that, right? Because if you're able to work a little bit smarter, then you're able to save and have capital goods and have, be able to make investments, um, which later on will leave you better off. Um, so I would say that it, when you're thinking about this, like you absolutely positively have to focus on how you can create savings and investment for yourself. There's no other way that you're going to build wealth. Um, and, and don't worry so much about the specific investments, right? I mean, there are, there are ways, right? And, and I, you know, I encourage you to have a diversified portfolio. <laughs> I know people don't like to hear that maybe necessarily if you're really into Bitcoin, but, um, I do believe a diversified portfolio helps. Um, it does mitigate risks in some way. Um, I don't necessarily mean that you should go out and buy a bunch of, you know, crappy shit coins or anything like that. But, um, but I do think that there, if you focus a lot less on, what it is specifically that you're investing in um, and focus more on a total asset allocation that you are going to be better off over the long run. And it's less about that than it is about creating the savings in and of itself. Creating the savings is what is going to enable you to invest. So here are some ways to increase savings and investment, right? The first thing would be to increase income, which is something we've mentioned on, on the show today and in previous shows. Um, the second thing, right, is decrease spending. So Focus on you know the 20% of pre-tax savings um, that I always talk about. So if you're making 100 grand a year, you should be saving $20,000. Um, and that's kind of one of those things that should just be non-negotiable for you. Um, you have to create savings, figure out a way to create savings. At a minimum, it should be 10%, but why not shoot for the moon, right? <laughs> why not make your life better by creating more savings, especially if you're young? The earlier you can create savings, the earlier you'll be able to invest, the more time you'll have invested, and the more you'll have later on, the less you'll have to do later on. It's a lot harder to catch up. Um, and I think we mentioned this in the retirement episode. It's a lot harder to catch up when you're 65 than it is for you at age 25. Um, granted, you're making more, hopefully, when you're at age 65 and you're ready to retire than you did when you were at age 25, but you also have more needs and responsibilities as an older person versus at the age of 25, like, you actually can pretty easily control your spending if you're willing to do it. So I would say that that's something that you can focus on. Um, and then the next thing is create an emergency fund. So we talked about this in episode 39. Um, oh shit, I need money. So go check that one out as well. Um, it's super important to have an emergency fund. That's what enables you to do investing. <laughs> so I hear this a lot from people where they're like, well, I just, you know, I, I want to invest because that because you told me to, basically. And I'm like, well, if you don't, if you have a bunch of debt and you don't have an emergency fund, like, what are you going to do when something happens and you've decided to put 100% of your assets in, in risky style investments like stocks, 
real estate or Bitcoin, right? Um, it's it's not a good situation. <laughs> I mean, I guess you could borrow against it, um, but I mean, why put yourself in that situation? Um, and you really, when you're borrowing against, I mean, you really need to be in a in more of a wealthy position to be able to borrow um, than in a poor position to when you're borrowing. Um, so I would keep that in mind. I mean, I feel like that's sort of people's backup, um, but it kind of keeps you in this hamster wheel mindset of, you know, never really being able to make ends meet. Um, the other thing is, so after you've got your emergency fund, now it's time to create an auto savings and investment plan. So if you, if you do have all your needs met, right, you've increased income, you've decreased spending, you have your emergency fund, you paid off your debt, now create an auto savings and investment plan and put that money away, especially if you're getting paid regularly. If you're not, it gets a little bit more complicated for sure. And we've talked about this in some other episodes where you have to be a little bit more mindful about how you save and invest. Um, but if you get a regular paycheck, I mean, there's kind of no reason why you couldn't just set immediately set the 20% aside um, every single paycheck, um, or at least on you know one of the paychecks, and just send it to directly to wherever it is that you're going to go invest and then auto invest. Don't like, don't look at the pricing. Don't worry about any of that stuff. Just automatically do it. And you know, you'll be dollar cost averaging over time. Dollar cost averaging is a great way um, to save and build wealth. And, um, and therefore you're like, you're taking kind of all the guesswork out of it. Cause like you there's no human element. The more you automate, the easier it's going to be for you. Um, and then the last thing I would say is you want to focus on net worth rather than specific investment terms, uh, returns like net worth, net worth is the measure you want to be looking at. It doesn't matter if you put a hundred dollars into Robinhood and you turned it into $800, right? I mean, good for you that you, <laughs> that you ate extra money, right? And that's great. Um, but if your net worth is still negative because you've got a bunch of student loan debt and credit card debt and other things going on, like nobody really cares about your Robinhood account. I'm sorry, but that's kind of the way it is, right? It's about about increasing net worth. Your net worth at the end of the day is the measure that you're going to rely on to show how healthy you are financially. Um, and I mentioned debt also because debt's kind of twofold, right? Because as you remove debt, it not only it decreases your interest expense, which is great, but it also does increase your net worth. So it's not just about putting a savings aside, but it is also about paying down debt um, and not doing it indiscriminately. So one of the things I hate about Dave Ramsey is that he's just like so anti-debt um, no matter what. And the thing is, is right, like interest rates are pretty low right now. <laughs> um, maybe that says something about expected returns. Uh, I'm not really sure. I mean, I know it does about bonds, definitely, but it doesn't necessarily say anything about expected returns in other asset classes. Um, and um, I would keep that in mind, right? If you've got a mortgage rate of two and a half, like you've no business trying to pay that, pay that thing down early. Like, why would you do that when you can easily get a better return somewhere else with that extra cash? So, um, Focus on high interest debts, not low interest debts. <laughs> That's where you're going to get the most bang for your buck. Don't try, like, don't worry about paying off your mortgage early. Yeah, I get it that people are really excited when they no longer have a mortgage and it feels like I'll have easier cash flow and everything else. But if you're putting more towards your mortgage to pay that down, right, you already have, you already have that extra cash flow. Um, you're just deciding to put it towards your mortgage rather than savings and investments. So that's something for sure I would keep in mind. Um, as you're thinking about all this stuff. And um, I'm going to leave it at that. <laughs> so I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of Money Owners. If you like the show, leave me a review. Um, I read them all on iTunes and I appreciate all of you listeners. Um, I also have a book. It's called the Personal Finance Quick Start Guide. You can find it on Amazon. 
Um, I highly recommend if you like this podcast and you like what I have to say, you're going to love the book. Um, and it'll be a good reference guide for you. And it really does go into depth on a lot of the stuff that we talk about here. Um, you can also find me on Twitter, Morgan with an E, Rochard, or at money underscore owners. Um, I'm probably going to be taking a break from everything, but I would still love to hear from you. So feel free to reach out. Um, the other thing is that I just started offering advisor consulting. So if you're an advisor listening to this podcast, you want to pick pick my brain. I hear this all the time. I get notes from people all the time. I'd love to pick your brain. Great. You can pick my brain. It's $400 an hour. So <laughs> go to moneyowners.com. You can schedule me there. Um, I'm doing this because my time is limited. And as much as I would love to help every single person out there with every little problem that they have in their business, I unfortunately, my time is limited and I, I just can't do that. So um, I would love to help you though uh, for a price. So please check that out. And um, yeah, again, I'm super pregnant. So I will see y'all in uh, April. And um, in the meantime, if you have a question or a topic that you would like um, covered here on the podcast, feel free to find me on Twitter or go to the website moneyowners.com forward slash ask Morgan with an E. And I would be happy to answer that stuff for you live on the show. All right. Take care. We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of the Money Owners Podcast. As a reminder, Money Owners LLC does not provide investment advice. It is also not a tax advisor, and Morgan Rochard does not provide tax advice or tax preparation. Money Owners LLC is also not a law firm, and Morgan Rochard is not an attorney. Thanks for listening, and we hope you will tune in again for our next show.